Hello, I'm Daniel Davis, and you are listening to the Gospel Project for Adults Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This week we are on Unit 30, Session 4, titled, The Church Works Together. After Peter's preaching to a gathered crowd, Peter and John's refusal to be silent about Jesus, and the disciples' prayer for boldness and for God to act in miraculous ways, the group felt a sense of oneness and unity. One of their first actions was to give generously to meet the needs of their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. The first picture of generosity in Acts 2 tells us the believers shared everything they had, even selling their possessions to give to all as any had need. In Acts 4, this pattern continued. But in chapter 5, we see that not all would be generous. While Barnabas and others gave of their resources, and their giving backed up the church's proclamation of the gospel, God judged Ananias and Sapphira for lying about a gift they gave. And in this way, God protected the purity of the early church. In point one, we see that God's people practice generosity. The young early church, filled with the Holy Spirit, found themselves drawn to one another in a beautiful unity marked by extravagant generosity. They decided to hold loosely to their possessions, believing that God had given them everything anyway, and they gave freely to those among them who were in need. This example that permeated the church within served as a catalyst for the gospel going out to hit people's ears and to sink into their hearts and minds. The early church was being recognized by their love for one another in supplying each other's needs, just as Jesus had said. And this testified to the reality of the love of God in Christ that had been poured out on the world. Even plots of land and houses were being sold for the provision of believers' needs. Who acts that way in the world? The answer is the church, because we follow our Savior who left everything in order to become like us and save us at the cost of His own life. We love because God first loved us, and we give because God first gave Jesus to us. One believer is singled out in this passage. He's known elsewhere in the Bible by the name Barnabas, as he is called here. Barnabas sold a field, took the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet, so that it might be used for the meeting of needs within the church. Barnabas figures prominently later in Acts, after the introduction of Saul, whom we know as Paul. But Barnabas is introduced here as a foil for what comes next in Acts chapter 5. Barnabas was faithful, generous, and truthful with his sacrificial gift. But the couple we encounter next was not. In point two, where we will spend most of our time in this session, we see that God's people confront sin. The compare prompt on leader page 144 provides an opportunity for active learning to draw your group into the process of understanding and application. This simple activity involving a chart and a question can go a long way in having your group teach themselves from the scriptures about the comparison between Barnabas and Ananias and Sapphira. Barnabas sold a field and gave the money to the apostles to use for those in need. Ananias and his wife Sapphira also sold a piece of property and gave money to the apostles. But whereas Barnabas presumably gave the whole amount, Ananias and Sapphira kept some of the money for themselves. Based on verse 4, it seems this wouldn't have been a problem, except that Ananias appears to have given his offering with the impression that it was the total price for which his property sold. In short, he lied. 
Peter must have had some spiritual insight into the matter, as he confronted Ananias in this sin immediately. It will be instructive to analyze the words and phrases Peter used to describe what happened. Satan filled Ananias' heart to lie to the Holy Spirit. Yet Peter also says that Ananias planned this thing in his heart. And Peter makes it clear that though Ananias tried to lie to the apostles and the church, ultimately, he was trying to lie to God. As a quick note, recognize that lying to the Holy Spirit is the same thing as lying to God, because the Holy Spirit is God, the third person of the Trinity. In response to being confronted in his sin, Ananias dropped dead. The judgment of God fell upon him right then and there, and his body was carried out to be buried. Of course, this had the effect of generating a great fear on all those who heard about Ananias' sudden death. Early in the life of the early church, God was making it clear that he does and will continue to take sin seriously. Continuing that point, Sapphira, Ananias' wife, showed up a little while later, ignorant of the happenings and the sudden death of her husband. Peter took that opportunity to test Sapphira and determine her innocence or complicity in Ananias' scheme. Was this the price? Peter asked. And she said yes, confirming her knowledge of and participation in her husband's prideful plan. Again, Peter described this as testing the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit, who is God, is omniscient, all-knowing, and Ananias and Sapphira could not deceive him. But in their pride and lack of faith, they certainly tried to. Peter confronted the couple in their sin, and they paid the steep price of death for their attempted deceit. We may struggle to determine the truth of a situation, and likely we won't experience people falling dead at our feet when we confront them. But as believers, we have been given a responsibility to love one another, lovingly confront the sin in one another, and seek the purity of the church for the glory of Christ. It may not be easy to confront sin, But if we are led by the Spirit, and led by the love of God, then we will want to do what is best for our brothers and sisters in Christ, and best for the witness of the church in the world. In point three, we see that in response to the confrontation of sin, God's people display reverence. Peter confronted Sapphira. She participated in her husband's lie. She tested the Holy Spirit, and she dropped dead just as Ananias did. The disciples who buried Ananias got back just in time to pull double duty and go bury Sapphira as well. And as with the previous death by judgment, great fear came upon the whole church and on all who heard about these events. For the church, no doubt this took the form of reverence for God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, as the book of Proverbs tells us. When we fear the Lord, we recognize His omniscience, his omnipresence, and his omnipotence at the least. We see that God is holy and just, and we know that apart from his mercy and grace, we would be on the receiving end of his wrath against sin. But this should raise up in us not a sense of being scared, but of deference, worship, and humility toward God. For those outside the church, should they see sin being tolerated within the church, they will be forced to conclude that sin really isn't that big of an issue and even more, that God must not care, if he even exists at all. But if the sinners of the world catch the church lovingly confronting sin, 
calling believers to repentance and faithfulness, then they will be encouraged to reckon with the sin in their own lives. What is its consequence? And what is their hope for salvation? Which is Jesus Christ alone. Ananias and Sapphira's deceptive action was a sin. And it came not from a heart of generosity, but from a heart of greed. Followers of Jesus are called to share their resources and give generously to those in need, following the example of Jesus who gave up heavenly riches to share his inheritance with all who trust in him. Because God has lavished upon us the riches of salvation and new life in Christ, we believers should live in unity with one another in the church, being generous and honest as we reflect Christ's truth and love through sacrificial giving and humble confrontation. Thanks for listening to this week's leader training for the Gospel Project for Adults. For more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.